0: Hands up for your colors, that's right. Soccer Weekly, ESPN, LA, 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. Let's go! We are just weeks away from kickoff of the 2018 World Cup, and I'm getting jazzed to the tune of we start our World Cup previews today here on Soccer Weekly. That's how jazzed I am. That's what's on tap tonight. On Soccer Weekly, and it's sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company, embrace life, drink good beer, and watch good football, which the World Cup will be. Oh, I can't wait. We got so much to get to when it comes to the World Cup previews. Little Champions League final to discuss, LAFC, MLS expansion to Cincinnati, and so much more. That is what's on tap. Again, brought to you by Pocock Brewing. We begin with my World Cup previews. Now, I'm not going to just go... Uh, I, I got a few this week, a few next week, and then we'll just get down to the nitty-gritty the day before. That's the schedule. Next Thursday is Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. We'll have the final four groups that I don't do today. And then, the Wednesday after that is the day before the World Cup kicks off, baby. And we'll have that show here. And we'll give you all my final breakdowns and everything. Plus... I'm going to actually solicit the help of Mario Reyes, my producer here, to help me with that game that I like to do. My buddies and I are all lined up for our four-man-slash-women soccer game. All right. So we're going to I'm going to employ your help, Mario, in, in de, uh, determining our draft order because I want to keep it clean and keep it fair. Let's do this. All right. So we'll do that coming up. But I do want to begin with the previews. I'm going to talk to Seb Salazar, Sebastian Salazar, a friend of the show that's later on in the show, and he'll talk l Tree. So we might as well start in Group F. I'm jumping around here. And I want to hear from you and your thoughts on Group F at 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Group F, of course, the home of l Tree, Germany, Sweden, and South Korea, Korea Republic. Now, the schedule does seem to matter to me with Mexico. Tri takes on Germany first. That is a tricky one. We all know the Germans are certainly favorites to win the whole thing. Defending champs, I won't say they're the favorite, but they're right up there with just a handful of teams that are likely to win this in Russia. Right, It's on European soil. That will help the Germans too. That's a tricky first game. But there's some school of thought that says, you know what? You can catch a good team in that first game. Remember when Spain won it? What was it, 2010? They lost the first game. In fact, I always like to do a trivia, a little trivia bit. Who was the only undefeated team that year in that World Cup? And everybody says, well, Spain, they won them. Nope. The only undefeated team in that entire World Cup was New Zealand. They tied all three games in their group and got knocked out. little trivia for you. But my point is, Spain got caught, right, that first game against Switzerland. Good team. But then they went on to win it all. So there is some school of thought that maybe you can catch a good team like Germany in that first game. And then, of course, Mexico will take on South Korea. That is a must win. The South Koreans, to me, are some of the weakest I've seen out of them in a long time. Some people don't agree. I don't think the South Koreans are going to put up much of a fight in this particular... Now, they, they play hard. I shouldn't say they won't put up a fight. They will not stop. This team is young. They're hungry. They're just not good enough. And Sweden is a balling kind of team. They're going to go after you. They're going to play. They're not afraid of anyone. They will stand with you toe-to-toe. I believe that Sweden-Mexico game is going to be dynamic, and that is a crucial final game in that group. Probably will decide the second-place team. Unless Mexico could trip up Germany in that first one, in the opener. To me, it is Germany and Mexico's group to get out of. I know a lot of people say, yeah, no kidding. Well, I don't believe this is a group where an upset's going to happen. I will be bitterly disappointed if Germany and El Tri don't get out of this group. Mexico has too many weapons. If Juan Carlos Osorio can't put this team together... To get firing on all cylinders, shame on them. And don't worry about the Wales friendly the other night. It was drab. It was dour. Nobody wants to get hurt. We're inches away from the World Cup starting. Nobody wants to get crazy locked in on these games. Don't worry about these friendly results. They don't mean anything. Another preview I want to get out to, and if you got your thoughts on l Tree, hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Or you can uh, give us a call on the show at 877-710-ESPN. If you're listening on the podcast, of course you can't call in. We're already, uh, you know, obviously this is the podcast, so... Are you dumb, brother? Yeah, I mean, come on. If you're listening to the pod, we appreciate that. On iTunes, you can subscribe, rate, and review. Just look up Soccer Weekly, and so many people are doing that. I appreciate it. But if you're listening right now on ESPN LA 710 or the ESPN app, give us a call, 877-710-ESPN, or hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. I want to know what your thoughts on El Tri are. Group B is another intriguing group for me. Portugal, Spain, Morocco, and Iran. This one looks so cut and dried. Unless, and I'll tell you what it is, it's that first game again, Portugal and Spain. If one of those teams comes out the loser, all of a sudden the pressure's on and I'll tell you another thing. Keep an eye on the winner. If Morocco and Iran, I really believe Iran is very underrated. Now, I've talked to Stephen Bateshore of LAFC about this. Of course, he was on the the preliminary roster. And he really uh, couldn't, couldn't agree more that the Iran is very underrated, almost criminally underrated because nobody really watches them in qualifying. They're very good. Now, they have a tricky first game against Morocco, believe it or not. And if you're ever wondering what the uh, soccer is like in Morocco, go look up the two clubs in Casablanca, the two biggest clubs, the red and the green, and go to YouTube and, and go listen to their fans going nuts. It is amazing. Morocco will be ready. That is a great soccer culture and a great soccer nation. But Iran is very criminally underrated going into this one. They could spring an upset in this group if Portugal... Were to lose that first one, then they take on Morocco. Still going to need something in all likelihood out of the out of that Iran game. And that could be very intriguing to me. Very intriguing. I would like Iran as a, a bit of a sleeper here. Still believe Spain is going to win the group. The Portugal, Iran, and Morocco are going to be battling for second. And I'll tell you what, look, Portugal is very good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo could dominate still. But I think they can be had, too. I'm intrigued by B. 877-710-ESPN or hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer. 877-710-ESPN or hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer. Group B, I'm going to go Spain for sure. It's a toss-about there. I'll have a little bit more details on that coming up in a few weeks. I want to break it down a little further. I'm just giving you a little bit of a taste on some of these groups. Group D is another one that intrigues me. Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. Obviously, Argentina, all the pressure in the world just settling on Lionel Messi's shoulders. Absolutely the world on his shoulders. This is it. Right? This is his last clear-cut chance. He's got to do it. And I'll say this, and I don't say it lightly, If Lionel Messi wins the World Cup, he's the greatest player of all time, hands down, done. Now, some might already say that about the guy. Maybe he is the most skilled. If he can bring him that title. Because I'll tell you another thing. Argentina, without Lionel Messi, is not that good. They're really not. They're usually a mess. Without Lionel Messi, no pun intended. This group is very intriguing because, once again, you've got a clear-cut favorite in Argentina, you expect. And then you've got three teams that absolutely could fall on their face or they could go a long way. Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria. And again, it's the matchups. Argentina, Iceland right out of the gate. Iceland's going to lose that game. But then it's how they recover from that, right? Don't get blown out. Keep it close. Then Iceland will take on Nigeria and finally wrapping up with Croatia, which could, again, be the determining game. So I love that group, the way it plays out. Remember, scheduling is a big factor. It absolutely is. Eight seven 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 ten espn 877-710-3776. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Let's go to the phones. Jared's in Sun Valley. Jared, welcome to Soccer you with Dave Dunholm. What's up?
1: Hey, what's up, man? Um, I just wanted to say I love Brazil. Uh, I think their team this year is really strong. I think last time they were in the World Cup, they didn't have um, enough striking talent as far as their actual striker. I think this year it's a little bit different. Uh, So I I think they're a really good pick. And, again, I mean, they're my favorite team, so I really want to see them do something.
0: You know what, Jared? Thanks for the phone call. I am going to talk about them next week, but there is nobody in the World Cup that has more talent than Brazil this, this time. No one. So I agree with what Jared's saying there. Definitely going to get to Group E next show. There is not a team that is more loaded top to bottom than Brazil. Now, again, does that always mean you're going to win? No, not necessarily. But not one team in this competition can profess to be more talented than the Brazilians from top to bottom. And again, that's taking nothing away from Germany, Argentina, France, some of the other teams. Do you want to get to one more group? in my early previews of this. Remember, I'm just giving you a little taste, right? B, D and F we've already done. I'm going to talk about H coming up. Group H. Poland, Senegal, Colombia, Japan. All of that, so much more. Got the black and gold breakdown coming up and coming up at the bottom of the hour, Sebastian Salazar of ESPN FC, Seb's going to join us talk primarily World Cup, a little bit of L Tree as well. I am Dave home. You are listening to the home of World Football in Southern California. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave home. and you are listening to the home of World Football in Southern California. You're tweeting at me at talk soccer. You can give us a call, 877-710-ESPN. We are doing our World Cup previews. Have already done groups B, D, and F with L Tree. Now I'm going to get to group H, the final of this week's previews, as we still have to do A, C, E, and G next week. But I do have a tweet, couple tweets coming in at talk soccer. Vinny tweets in, I see my Tico's picked to come in last in our group. Where do you see us finishing talk soccer? Well, I'll definitely dig in deeper next week, Vinny, in group E, but Costa Rica's going to have some issues. They don't have that spark they had in 2014. Uh, I love Pinto, the manager back, you know, I, yeah, I I I want Costa Rica to do well. I actually will be rooting for them. I don't see it happening as easily this time, but I will say this, this is what I'm going to talk about when it comes to Costa Rica. You ready for Dave's bold prediction? Marco Orena. LAFC forward that has not scored a goal yet for LAFC and uh, had some serious facial issues that uh, required him to miss a game or two for LAFC before he went off to the World Cup. Mark it down. Marco Orena will score more goals in the World Cup than Mo Salah will for Egypt. Mark it down. Now, you're going to freak out. Let me tell you why. Marco Arrena is going to score one in this World Cup. Mo Salah will not score for Egypt. Does that mean Mo Salah is a bad player? Heck no. He's unreal. But that's not always how the World Cup works, is it? Just mark it down. Just remember it. It's cool. And that doesn't even mean Egypt's going to do that badly, by the way. We'll talk more about Group A next week on the show, coming up Thursday next week. But Mo is going to draw so much attention, it's going to be difficult for him to move. Brian at Raider B24 says, Hey, at Talk Soccer, Messi's already the best ever. Would probably open the eyes of the rest of the people who don't know that so. In other words, if he wins, hashtag Messi. Yeah, but I mean, if he does there will there can be no debate in my estimation eric grand rapidian at talk soccer says i'll take iran in the round of 16 not that uruguay would have a problem with portugal or spain for that matter hello hot take there i like iran too talked about that earlier in group b i really think they are very underrated criminally underrated because nobody watches much of asia's qualifying here in this part of the world but I've seen very little from South Korea that would make me think they are going to be any danger, and Iran is very good. Or very tricky, let's say, in that group, matchup wise Group H I want to get to. Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. I remember Robert Lewandowski having all kind of issues with Bayern Munich. He's ready to try to explode here in this World Cup. To me, this group is quite simply the most balanced out of any group. There is no one... Who can comfortably tell you, see, here's the problem with World Cup prognosticators. Most of the time, they're Euro snobs, whether they're from Europe or from down the street in Cyprus. They're Euro snobs. So immediately you look at a group and you go, oh, Poland and Colombia, they're from South America and Europe. They're going to win. Poland, Senegal, Colombia, Japan. Any one of these teams can come in first. Any one of these teams can come in last. It is the most balanced group, if you really just look at how these teams play. Slight edge to Poland for having a a world-class player like Lewandowski? You bet. Slight edge to Colombia? A lot of talent on the Colombia side, no doubt. Senegal? A lot of times their problem is their own, you know, getting in their own way. They've got the talent. And Japan, so tactically and technically gifted. Japan can play with anyone. So I believe this group is the most balanced in terms of, yeah, good luck trying to pick who's going to win. I like these games coming out of the shoot. For me, the single key game is Poland-Senegal right from the jump. Remember back when Senegal beat France, the defending champion, in the first game? That was many, many years ago. Many World Cups ago, it seems. But that is a massive game right out of the jump at the end of what is essentially the round of... The first round, I should say, of games in Group H. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. This portion of the program brought to you by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, puentehillstoyota.com. We appreciate their support of Soccer Weekly here. Those are the four previews for the World Cup. Remember, we'll have more next week. And then we'll really dig into the predictions the day before the World Cup occurs, which will be the Soccer Weekly Show, two Wednesdays from tonight as we tape this one. So I, sh- I should say as we do it live, if you're listening to the podcast, it's obviously could be a day or two later. But as we're going to have Seb Salazar coming on to talk L3. But as we look at the four groups we we're discussing right now, 877 espn or hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer. There is that commonality throughout most of these groups of that one powerhouse. The way they kind of redid the seeding, and we see that kind of playing out except for that Poland-Senegal-Colombia-Japan group. And I know my buddy Carlos, diehard Colombia guy, he expects them to romp in that group. And I think he's a little misguided, frankly. But we shall see. Speaking of him, Mario, I want you to help me out now if you can. This is our World Cup game that I've... uh, Played over the last few world cups we've been talking about it you've been talking about it a lot i'm excited let me go over the rules real quick basically you're trying to score the most points that you can three for a win one for a draw you get to the knockout stage same thing three if you win your team's gone obviously if you lose but if it goes to penalties you both get a point so it's once it goes to pks both teams pick up a point got it you win an extra time in, in knockout stages it's still a win it's three points and then none for the loss So you're trying to get the most points. Here's the kicker. You can only pick one team from each group. So you have four people playing. Everybody's going to end up with eight teams, one in each group. So there's some strategy, right? Right. Do you pick Spain right away, even though you could end up with Portugal the next round, maybe? Or is there a tougher group where you're like, holy cow, i got to get Colombia. Otherwise, those other three teams are terrible. And remember, you're gathering points through the group stage and the knockout stages. I got super lucky in one last time because I picked Costa Rica. (laughs) <laughs> and they cleaned up in their group and, oh, by the way, then started you know keeping going. In the, yeah. So that was my a big, you know, boo. Love the Ticos for that. So I've got our four players. We have a new entrant who I'm just using the first initials for everyone, right? I've written okay. these down on cards, Mario. C, M, D, and J. Okay. So I need you to help me make a fair draw out of this thing, right? So I'm just putting these. I'm going to mix them up. And then I'm going to put them in order in front of me. You can't obviously see these from that distance. And then I'll show them to you. Now, you've got to trust me out there in radio land. This is great radio, (laughs) This is great
2: radio. Fabulous
0: radio. radio. Well, tough cookies here. You're helping me out here, all right? I had to do this fairly. And frankly, my wife is not in town, and I don't have anybody else. So i got one, two, three, four in front of me. All right, Mario, you cannot see these, right? You can confirm that.
2: I confirm that, yeah. All right,
0: so you're going to pick a number one to four. This is going to be the person who's in the one slot so now we're and here's another key you do the uh, snake draft so one two three four four goes again four right. three two one you know back and forth right so who is the choice at number one mario give me number
2: one through four in front of me one through four let's go with the third one. Third
0: one i think you were gonna say three for some reason three yeah that is we'll spend too much time C, together as you can yeah. confirm jesse and mario shaking their heads that is carlos Carlos. My buddy C gets the first pick. Colombia, you know He doesn't pick Colombia first. That yeah. would be a
2: mistake. <laughs> so I'm going to mix
0: these up again, and you're going to go one through three. All right, pick a number one through three, Mario. Let's go with two. Two. The second pick will be Jay. That's our uh, friend Jay. Okay. She gets the second pick. Yeah, let's see. We're equal opportunity. We go ahead, Jay. Uh, yeah, we, I've got... Uh, Got a lot of female friends who love the beautiful game, which I love. So you and I are left here? Basically, yes. One and two. Oh, goodness. Okay. I'm going to go with number two. Two. By the way, you're not in this particular contest, Mario. We I'm not in this one? No, this is the one I started a long time ago. we oh, have to okay. set up our own. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Don't worry. You're not M in this contest. I so. thought I was M. No, I'm sorry. Oh. D, hey, I'm the third pick, which is, by the, by the way, the most hideous pick you can have in the uh, <laughs> snake draft. And thus... Not Mario is the number one or the number four pick. My buddy Matt. How many M's do you know? I know that Matt. Had to be me, Matt. Okay, Matt. Whatever. Bright Matt. Matt. You know Bright Matt. No, we're going to do this get contest Mario, and we're probably going to pick on the same guys, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but this is my first one, so I appreciate that once again to the uh, and they all listen. Carlos, Joe, and Matt. You know the right order now. It's Carlos, Joe, me, and Matt. So just wanted to make that official. And make it keep it, you know, above board here. I don't want you know. And and it worked out because I got stuck with the worst pick, number three. That's terrible, just a dreadful, dreadful spot to be in. So they know it was completely legit. Now it is time to take a look at the uh, black and gold breakdown.
2: One, two, three, breakdown.
0: It's the black and gold breakdown. breakdown.
2: Break it down like this
0: Breakdown! now. Now black and gold breakdown here in. To me, this is a very intriguing time for LAFC for obvious reasons with the World Cup. Losing out in Carlos Vela, Marco Arreña gone, Laurent Simon heading off to play with Belgium. This is a tricky time. We saw Walker Zimmerman be gone and he played for the U.S. He'll be back as he was released from the United States team as LAFC get ready for that road game at FC Dallas coming up on the weekend.
2: Tuesday. Zimmerman had a nice goal, by Real the nice goal. Header, yeah.
0: Very nice. Here's the black and gold breakdown to me, Mario. This is the most crucial stretch. Now, I know people are going to say, well, the end of the season, you know, games are going to be big. Yeah, they're going to be important. This is a very vital stretch. LAFC has not won in three straight MLS games. Now, two of those were draws. Pretty decent game. They actually played not that badly against Portland. It's not like LAFC is playing terrible. But they're not winning, right? Two points from the last three matches. That's dangerous. Now you get in a little streak here. World Cup time. On the road twice, FC Dallas and San Jose. Eminently winnable games, frankly. Those teams are not scary. You you play at home in the late 23rd and the 30th against Columbus and Philadelphia. Very winnable games at home. And then finally, July 3rd and July 7th. Of course, final is uh, final is July 15th of the World Cup, and, and LAFC does have a game there. We don't know how far Carlos Vela's going to go in terms of how deep El Tri goes, how much rest does he need afterwards if they happen to get knocked out. Who knows? Maybe they'll play in the final, right? Let's just assume that he's going to be gone for a while. This is a stretch of games. July 3rd, you're at Houston. Very winnable game. Then you're back at home on July 7th against Orlando. Good team, no doubt, but you're at home. This is a crucial stretch of games. We're talking, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, potentially seven games-ish. Because even by the end of the final, Carlos Vela could still be resting. You know, Marco Aureña could still be resting up. Simón, depending on how far those teams go. Massive stretch. They've got LAFC, I'm saying, has to scratch and claw and scrape to get whatever they can out of those. Wins, draws. They got to get some three-point victory. You know, they got to start racking up wins again. And, again, full credit to them so far because it's been crucial to start as well as they did. No doubt. They could have been buried by now as an expansion team. Let's be honest. They're playing great. But they haven't won in three straight. You start to lose, give up those late goals to lose out on wins and get only draws. Those start to catch up on you and with you. And this massive stretch against teams that you can win... They got to start winning. And that is, I mean, that is like a no-duh home kind of thing. But it has to be put into place when you're talking about playing your bench. Here's the guys that must step up for me. As this World Cup kind of shakes out with Vela, Urania, Simone. Again, let's pretend they're going to go a good distance potentially and be out for a while. The guys that must step up. And I don't care if they haven't been here long or they haven't done this or they you know haven't played much. Adama Diamande has to be for real. You bring him in for depth up front, you need him. He's got to perform, bottom line. Now, it's still early. We haven't seen enough of him to make any kind of assessment, frankly. Adama Diamande has to perform up front. Diego Rossi, guess what? He's going to draw even more attention now with Vela off the pitch. Right? I mean, he is the weapon, quote-unquote. He's got to continue to perform. And I'll say it right now, Walker Zimmerman absolutely has to have a massive stretch of a month or two here without Simone in there to really anchor that back line. Now, again, he's getting going to get some help. Dayon Yakovich has played well, although he's going to miss this next game after the red card. This, the defense has played pretty well most of the year. But he is going to have to step up. And there's another guy that I want to see more out of that frankly, I expect to see more, and that's Aaron Kovar. Got a little taste against Borussia Dortmund. Has only seen like a minute of MLS action. I want to see more of him, and I expect to see more of him as the depth comes into play here. That is the black and gold breakdown as we get ready for the World Cup stretch of that schedule, and it's crucial, absolutely crucial. And I'm not going to put any point total on it. You know, we thought about that with those six road games. You're hoping for six, seven points. Of course, they cleaned up and got 12. I'm not going to put a point total on it. I want to see wins. Because you know what? You can stub your toe every now and again and take a loss if you're gathering wins consistently and not dropping points with these draws. There's nothing more frustrating than a draw. I don't care. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it's a good draw. I get it. And by that, I mean, of course, losing sucks. But it's losing that lead late and getting that draw that is so frustrating when you've got three points in your hand. They have got to close out some of these games, gather up three points. It takes a long way to recover when you're consistently dropping wins for draws and trading wins for draws. Can't have that anymore. One thing that I can never get enough of here on Soccer Weekly is the great Sebastian Salazar of ESPN FC. He's going to be joining us next here. We continue on the home of world football in Southern California. This is ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly ESPN LA 710, the home of world football here in Southern California. And joining me right now is a man who's a friend of the show, needs no introduction from ESPN and ESPN FC, Sebastian Salazar. Seb, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. It is a fun time of year as we are just weeks away from the World Cup. How are you feeling about Russia 2018 as it fast approaches?
1: Man, I think it's, uh, it's fixing to be a good one. You know, <laughs> there's so many storylines. Uh, we have what I think is probably, we all agree, the last World Cup for the two best players that a lot of us maybe age 35 and under can honestly say that we saw. And so I think for our generation, uh, it's farewell to the two greats that we've ever seen. Uh, at this level anyway, and with this real chance of of being kind of the impact players that we know them to be. So right right off the bat, you've got it. Um, and then you know the, the unexpected of Russia, I think for a lot of people myself included, like I, I can't imagine ever having gone to Russia other than for such an event. Um so how the country will be as a host, um what the unique challenges will be. Uh, the seed, the sites of the uh, events are really spread out, so what the travel will be like for teams and for people yeah. are, are all interesting things that will play out over the next month and a half and, and can really throw wrinkles in the tournament um, and make it unique.
0: All right, let's go right to some of the uh, interesting storylines beyond the individuals, and that's the teams and the groups, and we've got to start with Mexico. El Tri, in what I consider a very tricky little group, it's not the hardest group by any means. Certainly not the softest. Uh, they'll take on Germany in that first game, which I think is very critical in the way this goes. Seb. People talk about you know the group that you get into, but it's also the the schedule and how the games fall sometimes with this group. And talk a little bit about Mexico's schedule with Germany first, and then I think a weak Korea Republic team, and then Sweden last.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think having Germany first is is not ideal yes. <laughs> in any way. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about in Mexico, look, if you win, it's a miracle. Uh, if, you, if you draw, it's a win. And if you lose respectively, you're probably going to go through as, the, as a second team. I think one that discredits the, the rest of the competition in the group. I don't think South Korea is weak. I think South Korea plays a, a, a style of soccer uh, that, that can really be unique at the international level. It's at a pace that is... Um, that is much faster than most teams at the international level are accustomed to playing. And if you're not ready for it, it can really catch you off guard and wear you out, and and you can be in trouble against the Koreans. Sweden, I think we know what they are, right? They're a team that's going to sit back, be organized, um, and have a a very, very limited chance, but try to be effective in a few chances that they do create on counterattacks and set pieces. Mexico, if Mexico is what Mexico pretends to be at the world level, they have to be able to get... At least four points, but probably six out of those two games. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but but that is at least the minimum expectation of this Mexican team. Whatever you get against Germany uh, is fine, and I think the biggest concern is that you don't get blown out against Germany. Because if you get blown out against Germany, now everybody else is playing with this goal differential tiebreaker on your advantage. And that means they're playing for a tie while you're playing for a win. And that's not a situation you want to be in, especially after one game.
0: That's a great point. Sebastian Salazar joins us here from ESPN, ESPN FC. You can check him out on Twitter, at Sebby Salazar-Foot. And uh, covering L Tree, take a look at this roster, uh, Seb. Realistically, Juan Carlos Osorio has a lot of weapons at his disposal. I love Irving Ozano, of course, uh, who doesn't really at this, at this point in his career. But talk about some of the other guys maybe that people – Aren't necessarily expecting to have a big World Cup that you think may just surprise for El Tri.
1: Well, I think one point uh, that is important to note is we mentioned Juan Carlos Osorio, man. I mean, he's put so many different lineups and guys <laughs> in different spots uh, within formations that it's really, really hard to guess kind of what this team will be. I mean, you, you figure that they're going to set up in a in a 3 but I think there's some some very kind of critical decisions that have to be made. The first one, and I, maybe people don't think this is a decision. But whether it's going to be Chicharito or Raul Jiménez starting at that kind of point forward. Um, and Chicharito's been used kind of in an outside wide position. I don't think you're going to see that at the World Cup, maybe a little bit. yeah. But, I mean, I hope that he's the idea is to play Chicharito where Chicharito needs to be, which is in front of the goal. But but that's a big question between those two. Uh, who is he going to go with? I love Tukey as well, but Tecatito was lighting up you know, the, the first half against Wales and, and bringing that kind of wiggle that he has. He's an, he's an interesting player. I think if you look at the two, though, you'd say Chuki's definitely had a better season. Um, but for me, a lot of it comes down to Carlos Vela, man. He's the most talented Mexican player. That's the reality. Uh, four years ago, think of the difference that Carlos Vela would have made in that game against Holland. He was Mexico's best player at that time. He was coming off his best season in Spain. Um, and and he seems to be really really hot right now playing for LAFC. So uh, if he gets going and they can find the right mix in that three behind, which is you know Andres Guardados, he's healthy. Hector Herrera, maybe Dos Santos is really good in the uh, uh, Confederations Cup a summer ago for Mexico. Um, that'll be big. And then the other big question is center back. You know uh, the loss of Nestor Alcohol really opens things up. Hector Moreno, uh, we're told will be healthy, but but. Um, I think it's safe to say he's going to be a rush to get game fit by that that first game just given the time that he's missed. So, you know, center back is not a place you want to be figuring things out just a couple of weeks before the World Cup. But unfortunately for Mexico, due to some injuries um, and some kind of unconvincing performances, I don't think Hugo Ayala was great the other night against Wales. Yeah, um, there, There's really a big question mark there in the center and the heart of the defense, and that's a worry. That's a real worry at this time.
0: We look at the other two teams from... Uh- CONCACAF, of course, Costa Rica, and Panama. Panama making the appearance, which is awesome. I've gone out on a limb, Seb. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to say anything. Marco Ureña, if healthy, will score more goals than Mo Salah from Egypt in this World Cup. And it's not because the two players are comparable in any way, but that's just the way the World Cup can be sometimes, if you know what I'm saying. As you you know, but as the average fan. And the reason I say that is so much pressure is on a certain few teams and a certain few guys. Of course, you mentioned Messi. Ronaldo. Less so for Ronaldo, frankly, because they won the Euros, but uh, Lionel Messi has the world on his shoulders here. A guy like Mo Salah coming in for Egypt, everybody thinks is going to score 10 goals and somehow lead Egypt to the semifinals. That's not usually the way it works. What about some stories maybe that people aren't expecting, Seb? A, a team like Switzerland coming out of a group and going a long way. Stuff like that. What What are you seeing? Are, are you intrigued by anybody else?
1: Yeah, you know, well, I think the, the group that jumps out to me, um it- just for a lot of storylines, is, is the Argentina group. Yeah, um, Croatia, to me, is this tantalizing team. They are loaded with, I'm talking grade A plus talent, mm-hmm. like guys who are not just at big clubs, but consistent playmakers for big time teams. And yet when they get to the World Cup, um, they've, they've really let themselves down. And you look back at the last World Cup, uh, in the group with Mexico, I think a lot of people had them pick to beat Mexico. Mexico rolled them in the yeah. last game. Yep. Uh, and they, they just totally fell apart. So, so they're, they're an interesting team. Uh, Nigeria has, again, some high-end players and the ability to, uh, if they get going, it's similar to a South Korea in, in different ways, uh, just kind of jump all over you with, with the pace that they play at. Uh, and, and then you throw in... You know Argentina, which for all of all of the greatness that is Messi, and and all of the greatness that is their really forward line. I mean, think about it. you're a team leading Mauro Icardi at home, the leading scorer in Syria is not good enough to, to to be a forward on this team. Uh, they, for all that for all the answers they have up top, they have an equal amount of questions in the back, mm-hmm. and that is so interesting to me that you have this team that could in some ways ride a messy wave to the final and in other ways you can look at their roster and be like with this group i don't know if they get out and of course iceland's everybody's darling um are they for real like i I know what they did at euros but let's be honest they won their world cup qualifying group um sometimes the way the uefa groups break they're not all that challenging can they put together another run because if they do um in a country of what three hundred thousand people It's no short of a sporting miracle. I mean, you could say that what they did at the Euros is that, but there is no way that a country that's the population size that's less than most American states should be not only making a World Cup, but then competing in it and doing something special. So that group, to me, um, for so every team there in that group is is for me really really interesting as a as a casual. If you don't have a team in that group, I still think it's one you don't want to miss a game.
0: Could not agree more. I like to tell people that Iceland's population is uh, 67% of the size of Long Beach here in California. <laughs> so that's all you need there to you know go. about Iceland. Sebastian Salazar, friend of the show. Of course, he works for ESPN, ESPN FC. Check him out at Sebby Salazar Food. Seb, thanks so much for taking the time. Enjoy the World Cup, man.
1: Always, always. Look forward to being with you guys again
0: love sebastian Salazar at sebi Salazar foot on twitter thanks again to him and the e s p n f c check his work out there e s p n f c and uh yeah Guy just brings it every time. Always appreciative. Doesn't agree with me on South Korea out of Group F, but it's cool. Hey, I'm Dave and You are listening to Soccer Weekly. Still to come, the injury report and everybody's favorite segment, stoppage time, all of that and so much more as we roll on here in the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave home and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. It is time now for the health report. The injury report here on Soccer Weekly is sponsored by L.A. Care. As the nation's largest community-inspired health plan, L.A. Care is elevating health care in the City of Angels. L.A. Care for all of L.A. LACare.org. And right now, again, we've talked about it for a few weeks. Injury report for LAFC looking pretty good, actually. Now, a reminder, Marco Orreña had the facial injury, got the surgery. He's off with Costa Rica haven't heard much uh, good or bad about that, which may be a very good thing. One little tidbit that just came down, I guess, in the last day or so. Remember Anton Nedeljkoff left back for FC Dallas? Remember LAFC already played FC Dallas? They're taking on the Galaxy and actually playing LAFC coming up this week. Nedeljkoff's going to miss six to eight weeks with an injury, so he's going to be out for a while. That's a big blow, certainly, for FC Dallas. That's about really their only big injury, too. If you're talking about uh, coming up on this weekend, Chris Reeves has been out. He has a, had the sports hernia surgery. For LAFC, Stephen Betashore is the question mark with the hamstring still. Looks like it could be any day that he may come back. He's He may end up playing on this weekend. It's kind of up in the air. It's definitely questionable. That's a good way to put it. So we'll wait and see. Hold our uh, breaths there to see if Betashore gets back in the lineup for LAFC coming up. On Saturday, you'll hear that game here on ESPN LA seven ten. When's the pregame, Mario Reese? When is the pregame on that one? Do we know?
2: When's the pregame for LAFC coming up Saturday? This Saturday? Yeah, it's going to be at five. Is it going to be five? I believe it is. Okay, well, this let is, me check on it. Let we're really check.
0: good, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we're really on top of it. I happen to be the voice of LAFC, and Mario's the producer for everything LAFC, and he and I are scrambling here now trying to figure it out. Yeah, no four thirty for the pregame. 5 o'clock for the kickoff. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA 710. Sorry, that's uh, Mario's been a little under the weather, and I'm just an idiot. So basically is the way that works. No No doubt excuses. About
2: it. We're dodo birds.
0: Now, one interesting tidbit that came out this week, just really yesterday essentially, was the announcement of another MLS expansion franchise. They're going towards 28, remember. Now, they have 23 teams, already have Miami lined up as one, and Nashville, 24 and 25. News came out, which wasn't a great surprise, that a new team in Ohio is coming. FC Cincinnati, team that's been playing in the lower divisions, getting twenty five, twenty six thousand a game. It looks like they're going to build a new stadium. It's going to be a little bit less capacity, kind of more towards the LAFC size. So they're even cutting back on seats, make it even more, you know, tough to get a tough ticket. FC Cincinnati gets granted an expansion franchise, or technically moving into it to. MLS but here's the kicker There's a lot of levels to this obviously with the Columbus thing going on vacating Columbus potentially for Austin which doesn't change the number of franchises or anything it's just a moving but then if if Columbus were to stay that's a great rivalry magnificent no doubt it would be a very great a very good rivalry right from the jump Here's the thing about FC Cincinnati They're playing next season in MLS. Yeah, 2019. Now, I know they've got the infrastructure, blah, blah, blah. they got a bunch of guys who are playing in, like, the third division, essentially. I mean, we're talking, they're going to be kicking off their franchise in MLS in, like, nine months. So the only thing I can say to FC Cincinnati is, get to work. What are you doing listening to my podcast? Or to the show live. Shut this off. If you work for FC Cincinnati, I give you permission. Now you can come back next week if you get a few free minutes. Turn it off right now. And get to work. This is a team that literally will kick off their MLS existence in like nine months. It is crazy. Frankly, they'll be in training camp in January. So we're talking like eight months. That's madness because this is not a team, and I hate to say it, I've looked at their roster, fine players, nothing. This is not a team that's keeping 20 of these guys on their roster. Let's put it that way. They got work to do. That's my only concern, realistically, and it's a big one. But I do believe the city deserves it. The Queen City deserves a team, and I think it's a good move. How much of it is predicated on the Columbus thing? I don't think there's that much of it, to be honest with you if columbus crew can be saved it would no doubt build up a very impressive rivalry right from the jump with cincinnati but that is a big if and i have no i have no inside information by any means i have no idea how that's going to all play out absolutely none hey you know what time it is it's everybody's favorite segment it is stoppage time what time is it yeah, stoppage
2: time! You. stoppage time!
0: Right now! As always, stoppage time brought to you by Puente Hills Chevy. Find new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry. The San Gabriel Valley Chevy store, se habla espanol. The host of Stoppage Time, here he is, the great
2: Mario Rees. Mario. Dave, of course, uh, this year, not having uh U.S. in the World Cup, my squad is Mexico, El Tri, and I'm pumped for Mexico, but I'm also pumped for another team. Egypt is my underdog squad, my second squad that I'm rooting for. All right. We got Omar Gabber in there, who's played for LAFC. Sure. And we got Mosalah, who I think will score at least one goal. I disagree <laughs> with you there. Okay. But also, we have... Egyptian goalkeeper Isam El-Hadari, who is about to break a World Cup record for being the oldest man to play in a World Cup at 45 Whoa. years young. Holy moly.
0: I can't, I'm actually, he's old enough that I can hang out with him. and It wouldn't be awkward.
2: <laughs> Most but, of these but players anymore, actually... it's like, I'm Uncle Dave. You know, I'm too old. But he would be, yeah, he's right there. Yeah, he's right there. And uh, Hadari, he was asked, how do you do it? And he says he's worked hard his entire life. Single-minded in his focus on football. He admits that he hasn't spent much time with his wife and his children. Yikes. Uh, But he watches uh, and he eats. He he watches what he eats and has a personal trainer and spends at least 20 minutes every day in an ice bath. Ouch. Wow. (laughs) That's a Kobe Bryant-level
0: routine there, isn't it? That's
2: dedication right there.
0: Yeah, well, when you're 45... you it's gotta do it. Hard enough to get out of bed, let
2: alone go play at a high level. So good luck to him. He said my goal has always been to play in the World Cup. And when Egypt finally qualified for a dramatic late win over Congo, I was the happiest man in the world. And
0: see, that's the thing. That's why I don't I, I fear for Egypt. It's so much pressure really on them. And it's not pressure that anybody else is applying, it's their pressure of themselves and their fans. They're gonna be crying before this first game, and why not? I'm not taking anything away from them. They should be. It's going to be so emotional for Egypt that it's going to be... I believe the spotlight could be just too dramatic for them in this case. Now, I hope they can settle in quickly, and maybe they will, because they have the skill, they have the
2: talent, no doubt about it. And this core of players are pretty confident, though. They play together for a while now. Omar Gabber was talking about how these guys have played together for years. Well, I love Omar Gabber. You can
0: see what he does with LAFC. He's not afraid to get up and down the pitch. Like This dude can play, and he's got that mentality, Mario. And I believe Egypt, that will serve them well if they can get over just the magnitude of it. Now, the good news in that group is Saudi Arabia doesn't get there all the time. Russia's the home team and all that pressure. And Uruguay is expected to romp. So in a weird way, everybody in Group A is under some immense pressure, ironically. So that may help Egypt in that sense. Because Egypt... Just getting there was such a relief. I mean, we remember hearing the calls from the Egyptian announcers and all the videos of the fans going. I mean, that was just wow, you know. So I hope it's not too much for them. But in a weird way, Group A is a perfect fit for them because everybody else has all that kind of weird pressure.
2: So that's my secondary squad, Egypt. All right, good luck. Uh, The Japanese J League suffered a mishap on Wednesday when their official website prematurely published an article claiming that Fernando Torres's transfer to Sagan Tosu had been completed. Oh, dear. Uh-oh. Whoops. Then the page was quickly taken down, but not before it was captured in a screenshot form, of course, and widely spread throughout social media. Whoops. Whoopsie. Well, remember, they
0: just had the big signing with Andres Indiesta. True. Yes. So they're feeling pretty good about themselves over mm-hmm. there, obviously, in the J League. And rightfully so. It's a great league. We'll see. Maybe he ends up there. There's been talk about, you know, rumblings with Torres and Chicago fire. Who knows? I still think the guy can put the ball in the back of the net, so I'd like to see him keep playing.
2: A Univision cameraman got a little more than what he signed up for when covering Real Madrid in the championship. Was it Jorge? Jorge? Was it? It wasn't Jorge, huh? No, it wasn't Jorge. Okay. Uh, this poor cameraman took a way worse shot. Now, from wait. Before I say that,
0: Jorge is a dude who works here. All right. I'm not just. I don't know cameraman over at Univision. This guy works here, and he's a cameraman. Before you give me the cross-eyed look, that I'm just picking out some dude who might work at Univision that we barely know. No, Jorge works here. He's a friend
2: of ours. No, exactly. Now, this guy's name was Lorenzana Prieto. Okay. I don't, don't have to, to know To be exact. Is it a he or is it It's a he, is yeah. I don't happen to know him, no. The so. cameraman took a wayward shot from Ronaldo straight to the head during warm-ups. Ronaldo, immediately, <sighs> he felt bad for the man. He tried to make things better, took his warm-up jacket off, and gave it to the well. cameraman. I might take a stray ball to the head to get yeah, the warm up from
0: Ronaldo. I was thinking the same. I exact probably thing. wouldn't ever be the same because <laughs> there's a good chance he may not remember that for a while. Because mm-hmm. frankly, I you know everybody always says that like Mario, like how much would you give or how much would you take if like you just got your pinky cut off or your little toe? Like would you take a million? I'm really like no, no, I wouldn't. So I don't know that I would just be willing to take a ball to the side of the head from Ronaldo for his warm up jacket. But it was a nice gesture. Yeah. That he did that for the guy, obviously, who probably, again, will not remember it <laughs> after he gets rocked. By the, people don't understand. The same thing with LA. I hate to bring him back to LAFC, but at Bank of California Stadium, oh, you yeah. so close back. you got to be careful in those warm-ups. you got to pay attention. Holy cow. Yeah. Because these guys are just are blazing in warm-ups, right? They're just hitting the ball as mm-hmm. hard as they can just to get it out, yeah. get the legs going, and everything. And it's always the visiting team that's just blasting the ball into the crowd uh-huh. and those people are sitting back there i always get worried mario great stuff on stoppage time Thank great you. stuff on soccer weekly thanks so much to jesse thanks to seb salazar for joining us as well don't forget you can catch the uh podcast form of this if you don't already on itunes search soccer weekly subscribe rate and review i am dave at home you are listening to the home of world football in southern california LA 710